Aguinaldo! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the Puff Dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> So it's big baseball day today, which is great. I already talked to Robbie Ray. He was he was awesome. If you missed any of that, you can go find it on the podcast page at SeattleSports.com or Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever it is that you like to find the Brock and Salt Show. Uh, we'll talk to Jerry Depoto coming up in a half hour. Uh, Brock, you're you're always our odds guy. Yeah, you're, you're of the group of us. You're the one who's always looking at the odds and, and put a lot into it. And I think it's because you've got a lot of respect for the guys in Vegas and what they what they accomplish and well, how right they are. I would say two things. Things. I would say, number one, I don't know how to unsubscribe right. to some of these mailing lists. It's probably number one. Number two, because uh, we had an old stat guy in the booth that changed the way I looked at these things. He he was a math guy, a math teacher in New York. Fascinating guy. Just super, super entertaining, interesting. And I would always pick his brain because he would just see the game totally different through algorithms and different numbers and different stats. And, I mean, he he like did it professionally. Yeah. So he, he just kind of turned me on to that in a way that, all yeah, right. I hadn't before. Well, let me throw a couple of odds at you or back at you. How about American League MVP? Three Mariners on the list. Mm. Any guesses? Well, obviously, Julio. Julio, not just on the list. Fourth on the list. Oh, certificate of participation. Fourth. Yep. Shohei Otani, two to one. Aaron Judge, nine to two. Mike Trout, 11 to two. And then Julio Rodriguez at nine to one ahead of Vlad Jr., Jordan Alvarez, Jose Ramirez, Corey Seager, Rafael Devers. I mean, some really good players mm. that are right behind him. Uh, also on this list, Teoscar Hernandez, sixty-six to one. Uh, which is uh, wasn't that about what the Seahawks? Same odds as the Seahawks winning the national <laughs> okay. or winning the title. Yeah. And then uh, at a hundred to one is Ty France, which as much as I love Ty, seems like just giving away money, but. Uh, those were the three Mariners. How about nine to one, number four? I mean, so if you look at it that way, Vegas thinks Julio Rodriguez, fourth best player in the American League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we uh, had Mr. Schoenfeld on yesterday and asked him, where does Julio sit as far as star power, Q rating in all of mm-hmm. baseball? And yeah, that was about the same spot. He didn't even mention Aaron Judge, right, um, in that in that market in New York City, which is crazy that that's not the first name that comes to mind. But that Julio is right up there amongst just the the star and the star mm-hmm. power. And it's the game. It's the charisma. It's the connection he made in the home run derby last year. It's all of those things factored in. And, and obviously just a talent that expressed itself in year one in a pretty incredible way. The other one here is American League Cy Young Award. By the way, nice to see, uh, nice to see Al- or, uh, uh, Tay Oscar on there. Yeah, I mean, for all the for all the shots fired at the Mariners, oh, they didn't do enough this offseason. Well, the guy that they brought in is on the MV, I mean, at least he's on the MVP watch list. Yeah, he's he in is. the top twenty in the league here, according to according to Vegas. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything to you. It does. I think the hard thing there is you see just uh, you know like Kyle Tucker. Let's see, Bregman. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Altuve, Pena. But some of that is based on what they've already done and, and sort of the name recognition at that point. I get mm-hmm. it. Bregman's on there as well. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of Astros on that list. But you've got three, and uh, one of them is one of your newest arrivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where you're going to shine, though, is in the American League Cy Young Award odds, where once again, uh, you've got a bunch of dudes. So um, oddly, they have Robbie Ray 
16 to 1. He is the highest Mariner. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, about 10th about or so. Mm-hmm. Robbie Ray at eighteen at 16 to 1. Both Logan Gilbert and Luis Castillo are 18 to 1. In fact, all three are listed right in a row here on this sheet that I've got. How about that? So you've got three guys in your rotation that are, again, in the top 15 or 20 yeah. in the way Vegas looks at the American yeah, League. Ray is now. 11th, and those two, Gilbert and Castillo, are tied for 12th. That seems pretty good. Can I? Can I just? Uh, no. I'm, I'm, no, that is terrific. It can seems I, like really good. To I got to ask like something we should talk about more. Yes, I got to ask a question, and maybe we'll. And I know we asked Jerry about this last week, and he pointed to the fact that Luis doesn't have that national Q rating. Mm-hmm. Right, he, he doesn't coming out of the Marlins and then the Reds and just kind of in markets where he's not had a lot of exposure and star power. And he did a year ago, and, and the Yankees game was a big deal. The series with the Blue Jays a big deal. Series with the Astros big deal. So. Yeah, I think some of that is pumped into it. I'm just I I find myself is I don't know as captivated as we were by him. As much as you love him, mm-hmm. as much as you call him point blank the ace, and you heard Robbie Ray once again call him the rocker, the stone, like he's that dude. He doesn't he doesn't seem to have whether it's ESPN's top pitchers, whether it's Cy Young. Like you're tied with Logan Gilbert, mm-hmm. you're behind Robbie Ray. It's something just well, again, those smell odd, right. like I, I know I was sort of playing them up a little bit, but those odds do have something to do with name recognition. They do have something to do with, you know, Robbie Ray's won a Cy Young Award. Yeah. So his name is probably going to go a little bit ahead, right? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's part of it, but you're right. The baseball it, reference projections for Castillo are not fantastic no. this year is there, looking is at them. There, there is, and you know what, as you do actually think back, he was at his best when the lights were the brightest. Mm-hmm. But there were a number of outings where you were like, oh, come on, man. Like, I, I, don't give up that inning to the Oakland A's. Come on, man, focus, right? We talked about some of that focus and concentration. Like, you know, if you're, if you're the ace, it is, yeah, you're not going to be perfect every time out. But when you're facing that lineup and you're facing the A's yep. or you're facing, right, there were just a couple of times yeah, and, out. And, and maybe this offseason and sort of seeing what this team is built now, maybe they're able to sort of reach him a little bit. I mean, that's where coaching actually yeah. comes in, right? I mean, I, I know that baseball players, for the most part, are what they are, but that's an opportunity to maybe do some coaching, concentration, et cetera. I, I agree with you Well, what that. you have on that staff, by the way, is, is I'm looking at these names and all the nicknames Robbie gave us. You have a bunch of I mean, you have a bunch of worker beasts, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you you can just see the way that Kirby's going to go about his work. You know, you've got the hobbyist there in flex, and he goes about his work. Robbie's a two time a day. Like I'm going to put in my work, and all that is really important to me. Marco has to with his stuff. Got to be religious about his routine. And Logan sure felt, you know, even you know as we watched him the last few years, Salk at spring training, and when he was a young guy, he was one of those just extreme workers. So you've got you're you're surrounded now by a cast that doesn't come into spring no. training like ah, I'm gonna get myself. They're gonna shape. be working pretty hard and and they're gonna put a little pressure on him as well. So no, I agree with that. Uh, it's part of how I was able to prove Brock that the Mariners are gonna win 95 games this year. I, I wrote about this over at uh, SeattleSports.com as I was just writing about their rotation yesterday. So I took two different pieces of information and turned them, added them together, and made them fact. Yep. So, uh, Schoenfeld's plus three war with right. the players in and out the door. That's right. So he said they added three three wins mm-hmm. to take them from 90 to 93 wins. So it's just that simple. Yep. So you add those three guys, sure. now you've got 93 wins. Great. Right. And then Luis Castillo was good for one win last year. 
And now you're going to have him for the whole season, which oh, would be three that. times as long. Oh, no, you got to go three. So oh, there's okay. two more wins. All right. All right? right. So now I've added five wins to 90 wins and you get 95. And so the Mariners are a 95 win team. Perfect. Isn't it that easy? Pretty much. Why do I have to do anything else after that? I got yes. accused of yeah. using some sort of zips projection. No, I'm not yeah. using anything like that. That's that's easier than the math I was doing with Titus. Big test today. Oh. Last night we were talking about D equals RT, distance, right time. Right time, time doing, equals distance, you mean? Yeah, and then yeah. we got to do some XY graphing. And, sure. And just like. Uh, F equals MA. That's physics. You get to that at all? Yeah. No, no physics. W, or, uh, weight equals uh, uh, gravity times mass. Is that right? I think that's about right. Anyway, all right, we got to run. Jerry DePoto is going to join us in 20 minutes. We'll come right back with everything you actually need to know on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Yo, and get two months of payroll free. That's PatriotSoftware.com. With PatriotSoftware.com, accounting and payroll, keep your time and money. need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first well pitchers and catchers reported and actually a bunch of them are going to throw bullpens today sounds like luis castillo and others will be out there throwing which is great to hear we talked to robbie ray just a few minutes ago which was great he says that uh he's ready to go even that he's been working on a new pitch but he wouldn't tell us what that pitch was so i don't know whether this is Further work on the two-seamer. Maybe he's adding some sort of a cutter, something, a change-up. Who knows what Robbie's been working on, but I'm kind of excited to see that make its debut based on his uh, switch to the two-seamer mid-season, how effective that was for him. Brock, I wanted to play you something I haven't played yet for you today, but your guy, Brian Reynolds, Pittsburgh Pirate outfielder, who I know you're quite intrigued by. He showed up to camp yesterday. Not Ryan Reynolds. Different Reynolds. He showed up to camp yesterday, and just based on his tone... He doesn't sound too happy. Uh, I mean, I'm getting too much into it. I think just a difference in opinion of, I don't know, I guess, what we viewed my worth as the player, I guess. And, you know, that's where we ended up. Has that been resolved to some degree, given that you're here? Or is it, or is it the request still stand? I mean, no, nothing. nothing's really changed from that, you know, that front. But um, I wanted to get down here early and... You know, get to work. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't yeah. sound happy at all. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm reminded of talking to Robbie and listening to Brian? Baseball players, not caffeinated until they have to be caffeinated. <laughs> Don't, I'm not going to get up, and I'm not going to expend any more energy than I absolutely have to when I have to, right? Can't like can't say that. Colton Wong was so good yesterday. I, he was so energetic. Brother, listen to me. It has nothing to do with good or not good. No, but he I was loved Robbie Ray conversation. Energetic. He was. It was 930. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Football players are definitely a gas when hey, we talk to them before hey, 8 o'clock This isn't as well. about. It is not, a little bit. No, it is a not. A little it, bit. Just listening to Brian Reynolds, he, he is going to. My gonna, thought listening yeah. to Brian Reynolds is he worked all offseason knowing that that question was going to be the first thing asked of him. Yep. And he still had no idea how to answer it. Like, who's this guy's agent? Well, Help he did. He was, he was not going to be PC. He was not just going to play the company card. He wants out of Pittsburgh. He, he doesn't sure want does. to be there. They don't value him the way that he feels like he is valued. And Jerry, go get Brock's point. Yeah, I kind of like that. Here's the second thing you need to know. 
Well, he's getting out of Pittsburgh. Dave Canales is heading to Tampa. You may not know the name, but he's the longest tenured member of Pete Carroll's coaching staff. He was the quarterback's coach over the last couple of years, and now he's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. Does it mean anything? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it, it's as simple, could be as simple as now they need to find a new quarterback's coach. It could mean that Drew Locke is on his way to go join him as an inexpensive option. Or it could mean that he's going to try to take Geno Smith with him as well. Obviously, that relationship is a pretty solid one. Yeah, a couple things here. Number one, Canales, terrific guy. Just beloved by everybody in the organization. Chatted with a former player yesterday about him. Just absolutely loved him. This is what he wanted to do. He eventually, you know, he's watched Shane Walter and he's watched others call plays while he's been a receiver coach and a QB coach. And he wanted that opportunity. He's worked his way up. Had two interviews in Baltimore. Did not work out there by all accounts, blew away Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers, and they said, you've got to be our guy. So I I think that's number one. The other words that resonate is actually Andrew Brandt, once again, earlier this week, just saying when it comes to management and it comes to this time of year, stay the course. That John Schneider, who will join Bob and and Wyman at four today, you have to have a level of patience. You have to tune out out all that outside noise. Uh, The agents are going to try to create leverage, and certainly Geno's is with, hey, You know, Dave's down there. Dave loves him. Dave wants him. They're going to find a way to make something happen. And Schneider and crew have got to have a little bit of patience. The deadlines will spur action. But this certainly does create at least a perception of a little bit of leverage for Geno. Here's the third thing you need to know. Yeah, not a good week to be in the Pac-12. TV rights negotiations are a major problem. They're looking at second-tier teams like San Diego State and SMU to join the conference. And now Ohio State has full-on bailed on the idea of coming to do a uh, home-and-home with the Huskies. So not a good sign for the uh, remaining teams in this conference. Kraken finally get back to it tonight. They take on Philly at home, which is great. Kind of like to see the power play. I don't know generate some scoring chances because that's been missing for sure. Genesis open underway in LA this morning. How about this? This threesome of Tiger, Rory and JT, Justin Thomas. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's Tiger choosing his best friends to play with at his tournament. Uh, And uh, yeah, watch the first couple episodes of full swing yesterday on Netflix. They are great. Uh, the first one focusing on my guy, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas was awesome. I loved it. I think you are referencing when it comes to the conference, the report from Brett McMurphy and others that CBS and Turner are out. So CBS and Turner are out. NBC is out. Fox spent their money with the Big 12 and the Big 10. So what do you got? What do you got, Pac-12? There was a lot of optimism around the title game, but there's a lot of people that want to be a part of it. Is this going to go streaming? Are are we going to go Apple and Amazon? Are we going to go on those little gas station TVs that I saw somebody tweet out? You want to watch? Yeah. If you want to watch Oregon State and Wazoo, and you like, yeah, there they are. They're right on their little gas station TV. That's it's not what you're looking for. The leverage. Find them in China, though. Yeah, the leverage is a little bit more now on ESPN side to maybe write and pay what they want to pay versus what the conference needs them to pay, and that's not a great spot to be. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know, quarter past every hour. I should also mention in there that uh, we found out yesterday Taylor Trammell, poor guy, uh, ended up breaking a hammock bone right before 
right before uh, coming to spring training. And so he's going to miss, I would think, a significant amount of time. Generally, we have surgery on that. It's going to take, I don't know, at least a few months, I would yes. think, to come back from that. And as we've talked about, those wrist injuries, like a hammock bone, tend to take a little while even after that. So, yep. yeah. no good. Uh, we got a text from Brittany in the 206 who says that is top notch Dave Canalysis. <laughs> right up your alley yeah. well done oh, she's playing to the audience she, she knows, knows who, who she's, she's texting absolutely uh-huh. yeah that one was right up my alley i didn't even get a groan from mora out of that i was a little surprised did you like that well, one more for you well more right. busy trying to find your stupid songs with one lyric she can play that because 99 percent of them are inappropriate for air so i mean you're really making more work this morning well, she's, on got your a, rank. she's got a job I mean, she gets paid for it it's and not by like, the you know, way Thank you, uh, Justin Barnes, for sending me a wonderful picture from Austria this morning of Mozart. My buddy Wait, Mozart. Uh, Mozart. Mozart. There Mozart. Oh, okay. Yes. Your buddy yeah. Mozart. He took Mo- a picture of the statue. Hyphen Zart. That's got to be in Vienna, right? Oh, Don't Mo. you think? Should we just shorten it? Yeah, my guy Mo. My whole timer Mo. My guy MZ. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> All right. Well, our guy Jerry DePoto is going to join us next. We've got a lot of questions for him about this, uh, about this rotation that we've been talking about a lot over the last few days. And I'll tell you what, Brock. I, I've got something that we have never asked Jerry about that we absolutely need to. And I, I can't believe I've never asked him about this before. We'll do it All next. Right. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I'm a little giddy, I'm not going to lie. I've really been enjoying all the baseball conversation that we've been having over the last few days. Pitchers and catchers have reported. The sun's come out a couple of times. Warm weather is ahead. I mean, it's February 16th. It is going to be warm in Seattle in less than five months. So we are really starting to turn the corner here with uh, with the spring training, et cetera. No more than five months away, mm. right? I mean, it can't take more. Is that the than, 4th of July? Yeah, yeah, basically. That would take yes. you to like middle of July. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, I think it's let it's under five months from now that we'll start talking about some better weather here in Seattle. But no, this stuff makes me giddy, man. I'm so excited about it and excited about this team. And of course, it is Thursday. It is 8.30 and it is time to talk to Jerry DePoto. The Jerry DePoto Show presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. How are you doing, guys? We're doing great. Uh, You're there. You're in Arizona, right? It, uh, it doesn't feel like it. It feels something much colder than Arizona in the spring. But, yeah, we're here physically. Right. Well, I don't want to talk about that. That's that's just upsetting. We, we've got a couple weeks to go before we get down there. So hopefully uh, it starts warming up. What is it like to see this whole pitching staff together? Not so fun. You know, everybody came in the like as expected. The energy is high. As expected, we have multiple guys in the shape of their lives. And, you know, I think the – the vibe in our clubhouse and, you know, around the, the facility at the same time that our, our major league group arrived, our pitchers and catchers, we've got a number of our position players who are already here early. And, you know, our group of minor league, the satellite campers for our more advanced uh, minor league players began uh, yesterday as well. So uh, we, we went through our physicals. We've got a high population and ready to see some baseball. 
I think I'm going to head to the mall today. I think you just gave me an idea, Jerry, because we're going to be down there, right? We're going to be hosting the show. I think I'm going to get some T-shirts printed out of best shape of my life, guy. <laughs> and, and you know, maybe we can hand those out on a daily basis. You could tell me, who was it last week? Who did you say in baseball ops? Taylor? What, no, was it Taylor? Was that his name? Who, who's uh, the... Skyler should be on. Skyler, Skyler, yes. Heat for it. Yeah, there's, <laughs> a, there's, there's a host of others in, in baseball operations who fancy themselves in fine shape. So. All right. What uh, what numbers do you look at? I'm, I am curious because I'm sure they come in. These all the players do with some sort of physical. I know there's times they take, they take the stress test. Uh, how, what is the different range of evaluation that you actually do give guys when they come in and report? Yeah, I mean, like in any other sport, the guys are going to go through a series of tests when they arrive. And, you know, ours aren't, I, I wouldn't say, particularly strenuous. The biggest thing we're, you know, concerned with is the orthopedic exams, is is making sure that everybody's uh, moving parts are doing the things that they're supposed to do. And, you know, so far, so good. This is actually sitting yesterday with our doctors over lunch. You know, they were that praiseful of, of where they've been with us for a while now and they're looking at this group of players and you know generally on the younger side we are a pretty athletic group and you know coming in it's very different than it was you know six years ten years ago it, when maybe the, the staff or the, the the roster trended a little bit older and you know it wasn't as easy on on uh, intake day so uh, so far so good you know we're looking at where they are strength wise you know we'll, we'll do force place jumps with the with the players we will do you know body comp tests to determine uh, you know body fat percentage where we might be able to to help with with nutrition diet you know in the weight room etc. I would say the usual for, uh, you know, a sports intake physical at the professional level. Hey, in thinking about your rotation and, and the six guys who are in it currently, it, it strikes me that all of them are completely different from each other in the way they attack hitters. Is that by design? How important is variety in your rotation? Well, I mean, the variety is nice to have, you know, but, you know, that being said, there's, it's, it's nice to have when they're all good at it. <laughs> and, and I think they, you know, they all, they're, they're all very good at what they do. And, and I think that, you know, it's having something different, a different flavor, a different look with each day. And, you know, if you're playing those three or four game series, you know, it's why we've always said it's very hard to win four game series. Uh, it's, you know, you're going to see two and three game series where you'll get the sweep or the, the, the obviously that somebody's going to win it. But when you get in those four game series, it's hard. And, and largely because once you get that far into your pitching staff uh, and the team gets to, or an opposing team gets to see, you know, something similar, you know, whether it's the bullpen guys or the starters over and over, they make adjustments. And, now it's a it's an interesting thing. Uh, I've seen teams in the past, some playoff teams that had very similar looking starting pitching. You know, night after night, same body type, same delivery, same arm swing. You could tell who was scouting those teams and or those those pitchers. And with us, it's a little bit more of a of a variety, and I think that's a good thing. Compare and contrast for me, Jerry, when uh, Mr. DePoto went to, I don't know, let's uh, Cleveland Indians camp back in 94 or Colorado Rockies camp in 97. How much different pitchers and catchers when you reported in 97, how much different is it then to, you know, what we're witnessing this week in Peoria with these Mariners? Similar routines, similar intake, similar bullpens or drastically different? 
drastically different is uh, is the easy answer there. And I, I've I've had this conversation with a lot of players from you know from my era and and even players from before it. And, and I would like to think that this is the logical way to to look at, at what's happening in Major League Baseball today. The best, most physically prepared players that have ever played are probably playing today. <laughs> it's a they they have more at their disposal. The technologies, the you know the frankly the you know the the gift of you know where the game has has gone economically has allowed them to to spend their off seasons 24/7 training for the 162 game baseball season and and as a result you know you get players that come in and they they look phenomenal they look like they spent their off season getting ready to be here today and and that's the way it it, it seems when they walk through the door and you know, we've got guys already throwing near 100 miles an hour in bullpens. We've we've got you know we've got pretty impressive you know in the gym numbers that have shown up in in a couple of days. And and now that we get to to watch live baseball out on the field starting today, it, it should be fun to see how it translates there. Uh, Jerry, I don't know. Do you know Chris Lagan from Driveline? I don't. I know his name, okay. and I'm very familiar with what they do. Okay, so Chris was on the station earlier this week. He was on with Wyman and Bob in the afternoon, and they were asking him about, about Matt Brash. He said something that I wanted to play for you quickly and just get your reaction to it. This is his answer on Matt Brash's slider. The known things, obviously, are, I mean, I, I think you could pretty realistically say his slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of, like, pitch movement and velocity uh, in, like, Major League history. Like In Major League history? Is it possible that we're watching Matt Brash throw the greatest pitch in Major League history? You know, history's a long time. <laughs> and I, I, my, my first reaction is it's, it's pretty damn good. And I jokingly, we, we said this spring we are going to lean into the, the Matt Brash has the greatest pitch in Major League history theme uh, because we did get that from, uh, from yesterday. And when you're watching it live, your reaction is how can it be any nastier than it is? And, you know, and I, I say that, and there've been a lot of nasty pitches in major league history, you know, some by Mariners, you know, Felix's changeup or Randy Johnson's slider. There's, but Matt Brass's stuff, I won't even really limit it just to a slider. It, his stuff is, is on that tier. It's just nasty, nasty stuff. And uh, I, if I were him, I would definitely, go with Brock to the mall and make a t-shirt that says, you know, that he, he is the owner of the nastiest pitch in major league history. But, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty nasty. I will say that. And you know, what's interesting. You bring up the big unit. If you, when you saw Randy Johnson in person, you're like, yeah, that guy is just different. I mean, he's like six ten, right? I mean, he's just a, a different kind of human being. You see Matt Brash at the in and out line. You're not going to be like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, and that arm is host to the greatest, most dominant, devastating pitch in Major League Baseball history. How does he do it? You know, I, I would say the same. You know, back in the day, if you would have, you know, you walked through the door with Pedro Martinez, you'd never know what was going to come out of that pose. <laughs> it was, you know, he's five uh, ten and weighed about 165 pounds. But the, you know, it's, he is gifted and he's got such a fast arm. And I, as we discussed many times since we acquired him back in the, the summer of 2020. In our wildest dreams, we we couldn't have imagined how well it would have turned out for Matt stuff-wise. And it's a tribute to his aptitude. You know, obviously, he's got physical skills that that are required. 
but what he's done with our pitching people here and, and how quickly he bought in to the programs that we run, I, I think go a long, long way. And, uh, but again, I, I would have been lying to you then. And, and even now, if I said, oh, yeah, we had this the whole time. He was going to have a nasty slider in history and, and throw 100 miles an hour. But he does those things. And, uh, and it's good for the Mariners that we have him here. Hey, Jerry, how did you get Perry Hill here? We were t- and the reason I asked, we were talking to to Colton Wong yesterday, and I have actually a few questions about that because he was awesome. But you know, he went on and on about how he'd always admired Perry Hill from afar and knew that he was one of those couple of coaches in baseball, along with I think he said Jose Akindo and Ron Washington, who were just sort of legendary infield coaches. And we've seen what he's done with Crawford, we've seen what he did with Suarez last year. But how'd you guys get him? You know, there was a, there was something in a regime change. It was one phone call. Uh, I can remember I was here in Phoenix. We were here for uh, for a leadership meeting that we had a couple of years back, and and I was walking on the the lawn out in front of the hotel talking to Perry, and it, it took one conversation. He was informed by the Marlins that that they weren't going to bring him back, and. You know, it still wasn't public information, but we had a little bit of recon on it and made a very quick phone call, and and uh, and that's all it took, really. He was he was in lock, stock, and barrel, and it's been one of the smartest things we've done. He's he is truly a difference maker when he's out there on that field working with the the infielders. It's a his persona changes when he's out on that field. It's a, it's pretty phenomenal to watch, and they all respond to him. It's a it's really a sight in spring training if you haven't seen it. It seems like a secret yeah. weapon almost. Yeah. Uh, which which oddly enough was Jose Okendo's nickname. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think the I was talking with Colton about it when he got here, and you know how quickly he you know respect he reached out to Perry, and and uh, you know truly as soon as he found out he was coming to the Mariners, and and uh, you know it's he I, I think Perry has a way of connecting with a player very much like you know you would have felt in high school or college when you had you know that 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 coach that sometimes it was tough love sometimes it was it was raised voice all the time it was consistency and then as soon as the infield drill is over he's the most anonymous coach on our field (laughs) but once that infield starts up again here it goes and and he's as impactful as any coach i think there is in the big leagues before I do word association round two today, uh, Salk, you did tease and say you were going to ask Jerry something you've never asked him before. What was the Perry Hill thing? I've never asked him about oh, Perry Hill, never so did? I've already okay. done that now. Oh, well, wait, I also wanted to ask you about Colton Wong, though, because we talked to him yesterday. He kind of blew us away. I mean, he, he was just his maturity, and I, I knew that he had been picked off in, in the World Series. I didn't know what it had meant to his career and that he had struggled for a while after that. You know, talk to me just a little bit about Colton Wong, the person that you acquired? You know, Colton and if that postseason is, uh, is it's pretty interesting because what, what the Cardinals would have done at those times, you know, and, they, and they're a postseason team year after year. And oftentimes you're going to see them promote young players quickly through the system, you know, and they might jump them two levels at postseason time because they have a special skill and, and Colton could really run. He could run and he could steal a base and he had instinct. And then the first opportunity he got to show those things off, he got picked off. And, uh, you know, on the biggest stage you can play on in, in major league baseball. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't know it was, it had as much of an effect on him as he did until very recently. And, and I say that, 
And I really do think that from a player development standpoint, it's, it's hard to define how much a little setback can make a player feel. Because as we've talked before, it's such a confidence game. You know, it really is. It, it's, it, you have to be confident enough when you walk into a major league clubhouse to know that you are better than Julio Rodriguez and Aaron Judge and, and, and whoever's going to be standing in the, the batter's box on any given day. And, and, uh, and, that's, and that's no matter what position you play on a team. You could be, you know, the, the 13th pitcher on a 13-man staff or you could be the super utility player that, that plays three times a week. You have to feel like you are Elvis in that room. And, and, and I imagine that getting picked off in that moment as a young player with no other track record at the major league level with expectations of what you're going to achieve is pretty hard to overcome. And, uh, you know, fortunately for, for us and for baseball, he did. Colton's been a good player on good teams for a long time now. And I, I don't want to say the world's sleeping on Colton Wong. I, all you got to do is flip over the baseball card or go look on baseball reference or fan graphs. Colton Wong has achieved a good deal in baseball. And, and, uh, and he came into our camp. He's not big of stature, but he's big in presence. This is my first uh, takeaway from, from Colton. Uh, so yesterday, some odds came out, uh, got sent to me. I shot him over to my guy, Salk, and it just spurred his mind to A, sharpen the pencil, put some batteries in his calculator, do his own little projections. And, and so he's got his numbers. And then he went on further to write a really good piece uh, on this pitching rotation and on this staff. So we had Robbie Ray on an hour ago, and he was phenomenal, uh, super, super fun. And I went through a little word association, Jerry, with Robbie. I just said, hey, man. You know, you're you're the the sage guy in the staff. They look to you. Just give me the first thought, the first word, the first thing that comes into your mind. And we went through the different guys in the rotation. And I'm curious if we did the same with you. Maybe you know, maybe afterwards we'll compare and contrast uh, your thoughts and Robbie's. Um, so here's a little word association. First name, first thought that comes to mind with George Kirby. Wow, uh, prepared. First thought for Logan Gilbert. Filthy. Filthy. That was very different, by the way, from Robbie Ray's. He went with Goober, so obviously you guys are you're looking at Logan Gilbert from very different <laughs> angles. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, Marco. Competitive. Flexen. Sneaky. Luis presence and Robbie pro yeah yeah you just got that sense you know he said something today that was pretty astute uh, along with goober and let's see he went vector for uh, for Kirby uh, he went goober <laughs> he, he went the <laughs> he went hobbyist for flexing which I thought was pretty good best ping pong guy on the team uh, Marco what do you say uh, not sexy uh, and then for and, and then for Castillo, he went the the nickname the Rock the Stone. Uh, but he did say, as far as himself and as far as pitching goes, Jerry, and what I thought was astute was, hey, listen, I'm not the same guy. I'm not the same pitcher. That when you put mileage, every year is a new year for every arm on this in this rotation and on this staff, and and you're a different guy from from year to year. I thought that was pretty astute. So if we're going to see a little different Robbie Ray, what could that look like in 2023? You know, I know he's been working on a new pitch. You know, he came to camp. He's working on a split, as is Logan Gilbert. And, you know, both of them, uh, 
I will say Logan's on film, Robbie's live. Both of them look like they put in the work on it. They're, they're good looking pitches. And, you know, while still in, in the development stage and that is kind of what Robbie is hitting on is that you're constantly recreating yourself. You're constantly making adjustments. You're adapting to the league. You're adapting to, to how your body ages. And, you know, yesterday we had MLB media day over in Scottsdale and, and, and I was asked the question about Robbie specifically, you know, coming back, how would he respond to the, that moment and the way his season ended last year? And, you know, my, my takeaway is that Robbie Ray has been through more in his Major League Baseball career than most players are ever going to go through. And it's a first to get to the point where you are a status veteran in this league is very hard to do, you know, and to do it while having achieved the high highs of winning a Cy Young and pitching in postseasons and, and the low lows. You know, Robbie's had some some years that weren't as as glorious and some moments like we saw at the very end of last year. And that's part of it. You know, that's part of how you get to the point Robbie's at in a clubhouse where 25 other guys, because it's not just our pitchers, you know, the, the, the players all he's, he is that guy in a clubhouse that they can go to and they know whatever they're going through, he's been through. And, and that's such a thing in a clubhouse that, that is so valuable to, to, to have. And, and now we've got a handful of guys that have been down that road. And, and that's the thing I really appreciate about Robbie and what it looks like next for him. I think he's always going to pitch like a power pitcher. You're not going to see, you know, Robbie Ray morph into, you know, the, the touch field guy at this stage in his career. He's got power pitches. He needs to pitch like a power pitcher. And when we saw him at his best a year ago, that's what he was doing. And and my just looking at the way he walked through that door, the shape he's in, and and the focus he had this off season, I, he took it seriously. And, and he went home. He got in great shape. And you know, he came back. And his stuff is it, it's alive. And, and I think you're going to see Robbie Ray power pitcher, which is primarily what you saw last year. And everybody mm-hmm. takes away one moment, <laughs> but he was pretty damn good the rest of it. Hey. Uh... Shifting gears just for a moment, I, I was uh, reading a little bit about, we talked obviously a ton about the new rules and the shift and this and that, and, and I saw some speculation that teams will try to modify this a little bit, that there will be teams with a with a you know big pull uh, left-handed hitter up who will take their left fielder if they've got somebody who is as athletic as somebody like, you know, a Haggerty or some of the guys you have and move them into almost that shallow right center second base spot, similar to where the uh, where the second baseman used to be in the shift. Is that something you expect to see much of? You know, I, I've seen the, the layouts. I've seen people diagram what it might look like. I've heard, you know, rumors or I've, I've called them, you know, like the urban Mets. I, I don't, Major League Baseball will govern this rule change as something in the spirit of the rule. I don't think they they want to see you know somebody trying to find the loophole and you know whether that's you know, what's being described or not. It's tough to say. We've talked about different ways that that we can effectively position our defense, you know, to to combat the the opposing hitters. But, you know, the diagrams that I've seen, and this is just maybe me being old school and I'm going to have to see uh, what it looks like, but I, I, and I've never thought of myself in that, through that lens, but perhaps this reaction is indicative <laughs> that it's, it's, it's true. I look at that and if you're moving your left fielder in that biggest swing and you're putting that kind of stress on your third baseman and your center fielder to cover that ground, I, I just, it's, 
it's, I don't have the words to describe what you would feel like as the pitcher on that day or the manager in the dugout if somebody flips a blooper down the left field line that's a triple. <laughs> and it, it should have been a, an F7. So I, it's when we adapted to shifting in Major League Baseball, it was because that's where the outs were. You know, you could you could shift your players into position to convert the the batted ball into an out at a very high percentage, where uh, I guess at a location that the hitter would most frequently hit that ball. And you know, the the moving an outfielder is an entirely different setup and and requires an entirely different you know I guess degree of trust in, in the fact that that will happen because it's one thing when you're giving up a single, yeah. <laughs> it's an entirely different thing when you're giving up a, a, a multi-base hit because multi-base hits in our league oftentimes turn into runs. Yeah. Good. I hope you're right about that. Cause I was, I was really hoping we aren't going to see stuff like that. I want to see it straight. I want to see, uh, I want to see balls going through ground balls that are hits and uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to seeing you down there. Uh, not next week, but the week after we'll be down there. And uh, we're excited, man. This is so great seeing pitchers and catchers, full squads just around the corner. Jerry, we appreciate it. Thank you. You got it, guys. Talk to you next week. All right, there you go. There's Jerry DePoto, uh, who joins us every Thursday at 830. Uh, Thursday's our decision-maker day mm-hmm. here on the station. Jerry at 830 and John Schneider will have the debut of the John Schneider Show with Wyman and Bob today at 4 o'clock. So, yeah, a uh, good opportunity to hear from the decision-makers. You could just town. feel a little different bounce, right? Just just getting to actually mm-hmm. see the guys and be around them and watch them throw and watch the stuff live and see the commitment they've made and the fun. And you could just hear him giggling, right, when we're talking about Goober and those different – because he knows, too, like that's the gluey stuff man that's the culture stuff that's the stuff that you can't manufacture that's the stuff you can't pay for that is the organic stuff the the grassroots stuff that when when you got it and guys get along and can make fun of each other mm-hmm. and can laugh at each other you've got a good clubhouse well, you got a good environment of that, speaking of getting along and laughing at each other we've been doing it with answer the question jerk for i don't know well over a decade and we're going to do that next i got some nice. questions that came in via twitter last night if you got more you want to text them to 866-979-3776 a little thursday edition of answer the question jerk any question any subject next i'm brock and Salk.